Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Barry's Cup of Tea. <laughs> Did I just say Barry's cup of tea? <laughs> I meant to say Mary's cup of tea. This is not Barry's cup of tea. Sorry to disappoint. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's cup of tea podcast. Today, I am joined by Erin Claire Jones. And if you don't know who Erin Claire Jones is, she is an expert in human design. I've actually been wanting to have her on the podcast for a few months. And I've listened to her on other people's podcasts and was a little bit nervous to reach out because the podcasts she's been on are so big. And I was like, she would never come on Mary's cup of tea. And then she ended up contacting me and it was so divine. And I was thrilled. And now she's here. Erin Claire Jones uses human design to help thousands of individuals step into their truest selves and to their highest potential. Her work as a guide, coach, and speaker has attracted a growing community of over 120,000 people who turn to her teachings for practical tools, digestible tips, and deeper self-knowledge that they can access to live with greater ease and authenticity every single day. With work featured in Forbes, Mind Body Green, Well and Good, and Nylon, words shared on over 100 podcasts such as Almost 30, That's So Retrograde, Highest Self, and Chatty Broads, which is where I first heard her, and conversations with crowds of hundreds around the world, Erin's insights are highly sought after because they make human design pragmatic, 
tangible, and accessible. If you don't know what human design is, we obviously dive deep into it in the podcast, but essentially it's a synthesis of ancient wisdom and modern science that sheds light on a person's energetic makeup, as well as specific tools they can use to live at their happiest, healthiest, and highest potential. It doesn't change who they are. It just teaches them who they are. So I've used human design personally in my life and for my career and just how to feel better and make better decisions and do things that feel really aligned. And I find that human design is kind of like a no bullshitty approach. I don't know, it's kind of like a mix of astrology and personality tests and traits, but it just feels like it's more in depth. And I've just found a lot of insights about myself and who I am. And, you know, like we talk about on the podcast, like you just take what resonates and leave the rest. In this episode, Erin is going to share with us what human design is, what are the five human design types. She's also going to dive really deep into my chart and all of the little nooks and crannies because human design can be as simple and basic as you want it to be, or it can get very nitty gritty. And she dives into a lot of the nitty gritties behind my chart. And she also talks about how to actually use this tool for your relationships or your career or for making decisions. And this episode is just a great introduction to another tool for getting to know yourself better because I know if you're listening to this, then you're probably a seeker. So without further ado, let's welcome Erin Claire Jones to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I'm here with Erin Claire Jones to talk about how we can use a tool called human design in order to deepen our love for ourselves. Erin, I am so excited. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I was telling you before we started recording that I've been meaning to reach out to you for months now. And I was nervous because you've been on so many big podcasts and I've worked with so many individuals and coaches in the space that I don't know, I was just like intimidated. And then you reached out and I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) It was so meant to be. I I love hearing that. I think that I love your work and I love the conversations you're hosting. And it feels like human design could be so supportive there. So I'm so happy to be chatting. Thank you. And it also feels so divine that you're currently in Costa Rica. And that's where I've been hosting self-love retreats. So on that note, I would love to know like who you are, where you're from, and a little synopsis of your story. So my name is Erin. I'm currently in Costa Rica. I don't live here. I grew up in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. And then I lived in New York City after college for many years. And just five months ago, my fiance and I bought a house in upstate New York. So we moved to the woods about five months ago. And it's been amazing and like a total lifestyle change. It's now like all about horses, which has been really wonderful. We just adopted a horse. So that's like a big, fun, amazing life evolution. And I think in terms of my own journey, you know, I've been working with human design for about six years now. I know we'll talk more about what human design is, but it came into my life in a very serendipitous way. I had been working for a bunch of different startups and a bunch of different companies. And basically was sitting at a gathering in New York City and had a stranger sit next to me and was like, I would love to do a human design reading for you. I was like, I have no idea what it is, but tell me everything. And he did like a little mini reading on the spot. And it was so, it was like as resonant as it was confronting. It like gave me such a language 
that it basically illuminated things I'd always felt, but never really allowed myself to step into, but I wasn't really living any of it. So it was very confronting. And I was like, whoa. And then he said that I was meant to do this and we were meant to build a business together. And he just like had this gut feeling. And so he really was my first teacher, my first business partner. And I worked with him for a few years before I launched my own practice. And it really has been an amazing journey, not one that I expected I would be on, but it's just been a treat. I think my goal is always to make human design as empowering, accessible, and actionable as it can be. Mm, that sounds like such a New York story. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting on the train and somebody approached me and then it changed the trajectory of my life. How cool. It was so wild. I know. And I just like looked back then, I was like, I really wasn't such trust. You know, even before I really understood all the layers of human design, I was like, this feels right. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. So I'm just so grateful I said yes, because at that time, human design was not very well known. No one had any idea what I was talking about. And now it's like so much more out in the world, but it definitely felt like I was meant to be here. So I have trusted that all along the way. Wow. That's really how I felt when I discovered it too. You said, it was equal parts resonant and confronting. So he said, yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what it was. And we'll get into my chart and maybe some of the listeners who have gotten to know me really well will be like, ah, that makes sense. But before we dive into that, this morning, I was talking to my boyfriend about this interview. And he was like, what's human design? And (laughs) I'm so sorry if this is offensive, but I (laughs) said... I want to hear (laughs) the words that came out of my mouth was like, it's like astrology, but on crack. (laughs) No, no, that's actually a very common one. I usually hear like it's on astrology, but like on steroids. And that's so funny. I mean, I think that astrology is obviously an amazing system. Like I'm not an astrologist. I think that, but what I will say what human design is, it is a system similarly that is based on your exact time, date and place of birth. And it really just gives you your energetic blueprint. And what I mean by that is how you're wired to make decisions, work within teams, collaborate, partner, parent, all the things. And it really just gives us a roadmap to how we're uniquely designed to operate at our best. So it can give us a whole lot of permission and also be really confronting if it's a path that we've been resisting, which we often have. Mm-hmm. I love that. Way more eloquent than astrology on crack and probably more accurate. <laughs> but you get the gist when you say that. So I love that you said that. Oh, well, I dabble in so many things. And sometimes I'm like, is this too much? Am I just well, because we're always seeking, but you know, there's like a fine line between seeking and just like being spread so thin with all the personality stuff and astrology. And there's so much out there. And then people like to create their own quizzes and systems and everything. But what I loved about human design, my first entryway to it was actually a book on my mom's coffee table. And it was a book like so thick and I took it and it was too overwhelming. So I didn't end up finishing it. But what I loved is that everything felt so just backed up, not necessarily spiritually, but also more so I don't know if scientifically is the right word, but it just felt legit. <laughs> Was it the definitive guide to human design? It's like a dark red. Yeah. Yeah. So dense. Like you really started with like the textbook. <laughs> but I so hear you. You know, I think that human design is really practical in a way that I think allows it to appeal to a bigger audience. And I also feel you in terms of like information overload. I think that often we're like inundated with a lot of juicy information about ourselves, but then we have like no idea what to do with it. And I think the magic of human design is that it gives us the self-knowledge, but it also gives us so many amazing tools to actually integrate it into our life. And so human design is not a system to like intellectualize, but one to like experiment and embody. And I think that people like often that's what they need right now. You know, it's not more information. It's just like the right information in the right way with the right tools to actually make change in their lives. Mm, 
which is what you do so beautifully. There are five human design types, right? Correct. What are they? What are you? And what am I? Okay, we're the same. Ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> we're both emotional projectors. So high level in human design, there are manifesting generators, generators, projectors, reflectors, and manifestors. So I'll give a little tidbit on both. And then obviously I would love to hear your reaction for the projector one. I know you've been digging into it. And I know that we can probably include a link in the show notes, but if you want to look yours up, you can go to erinclairjones.com slash lookup. So manifesting generators, do you know your partner, by the way? Do you know your boyfriends? I have it somewhere, but I don't know it on hand. I could pull it up right now, actually. No pressure, but always interested in a type. Yeah. Okay. So manifesting generators and generators, I'll talk about them collectively and then separately. These are really our creative doers, the ones that really have the energy and the life force to kind of build and create and make things happen. An ideal day for them might look like one where they wake up in the morning energized and they kind of use up their energy throughout the day in ways that feel deeply satisfying. And then they kind of drop into bed like exhausted and fulfilled and wake up energized. And one of their biggest lessons is learning how to prioritize their own joy, their own excitement, their own satisfaction. Knowing the more lit up they are by who they're spending time with and what they're doing, the more energy they'll have and the more they'll kind of magnetize the most aligned things to them. But often these types are kind of in jobs they don't really enjoy, not often, but sometimes are in relationships that deplete them just because they think they should. So this real rewiring and learning how to prioritize their own joy. Manifesting generators specifically are often quite multi-passionate, thrive when they have their energy in lots of things at once. Gift is moving quickly, but not necessarily in handling every single step along the way. Generators are more about kind of like this creative mastery, really diving deep into things. But both types are amazing creative doers. And the last piece that I would share for both is that their strategy in human design is around magnetism. They aren't meant to chase after anything. Life is meant to come to them and their work is to keep their awareness open, see what shows up in their gut that lights them up. And then once their gut lights up in response, going to make that thing happen. Does that all make sense? Yes, that sounds a lot like my partner. I would be curious. Yes. I am wondering for people that don't know like the hour and minute they were born, because I know when I try to do it with my mom and he's an immigrant from Uzbekistan. So I don't think they recorded the time as precisely as we do now. I'm wondering what you put if you don't know the time you were born. So I usually would just like, you could put just like noon for now if you want, but usually what I would do is I'll check the range throughout the day because sometimes it changes a lot, other times not so much. So I'll like check like every hour and just see like what shifts so that I can kind of offer the pieces that remain consistent, but also shed light on the pieces that might shift so they can kind of assess that for themselves. That makes total sense. Okay. So that definitely sounds like him. So that's manifestors, generators. Manifesting generators and generators. So much weird jargon in human design. And you'll just start to see as you hear them, like how useful it is to not only understand your own design, but like your partner, your parent, your kids, your colleagues, because like, if I'm working with a manifesting generator, like if they're expecting me to keep up with them, they're going to be like, so disappointed, you know, and if I'm expecting a manifesting generator, like stick with one thing, like, you know, I'll be disappointed because like, they're so much bigger than that. So Again, there's just so many pieces that can really support us relationally and bring kind of so much more compassion into relationships. So let's talk about projectors. You and I are both projectors. Very different than what I just shared. So projectors are really here to be the leaders, the guides, the advisors, the teachers, not here to do all the doing. You know, you definitely have like powerful energy in your design as a projector, but it will more likely ebb and flow than like sustain you all day long. And so I would say for you, it's probably working in ebbs and flows, like, you know, leveraging the energy when it's there, resting when it's not. 
And so much of your gift is in asking the right questions, is in being so sensitive to other people's energy and being a really natural leader, not like your capacity to like do, do, do and like keep up with the world around you. Often projectors love systems. They love anything that kind of helps them better understand people and how they work, but they really do carry such innate wisdom and sensitivity around people. The strategy for us as projectors is waiting to be recognized and invited in. And it basically means that really like choosing to work with and date people that like deeply see you, recognize you and like invite you in to share who you are. Because if somebody's like bringing you in and expecting you to operate like a generator, it just might not work so well. You know, so really just checking in on where in your life you feel the most deeply seen. And the last piece that I would share is that as an entrepreneur, as a projector, like not even as an entrepreneur, just as a projector in general, like your job is to make yourself visible. Like people cannot find you unless you let yourself be seen. So also thinking about ways that you can like share yourself in a broader way on Instagram, in newsletters, on podcasts, as a way to kind of just share who you are with the world and let the right people resonate. How does that land for you? Everything lands just so, so perfectly. I've really had to like step into it because I think before I actually did my chart in human design, I was expecting myself to be some kind of manifester or generator or manifesting generator because I think it's probably just the words that they chose to describe it. Totally. Yeah, I I think it just made it seem like all high performers are one of those. And so then I found out that I was a projector and it just, everything just made so much sense and it felt like a weight lifted off my chest. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I've, I dabbled into it in like a very shallow level So mainly all I know, the only little mantra I've really known before this conversation with you is waiting for the invitation. And that's something that I've just like lived my life by over the past year. Like I won't do anything unless it feels like I was invited to do it as opposed to me trying to like push. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think that like, that's often not the way that we've been taught. But it is like, I think of the invitation more than anything else is a tool to protect your energy and just make sure you're only sharing it with those who really want to hear it. Because projectors are like so innately insightful and intuitive and you might see a lot, but if you're sharing that with people that aren't ready to hear it, they might be really resistant and then you might kind of become bitter because they're not actually listening. And so it's more just like, let me just preserve my energy and like share it with the friends and the collaborators and the partners that really see me, value me, treasure me and like invite in my perspective and how I see things. Mm -hmm. How did you feel when you first found out that you were a projector? I think similarly, like I had spent my entire life trying to be a generator and a (laughs) manifesting generator. And like, I just was like, this doesn't feel right, you know? And so I think when that was outlined for me so clearly in that first little session I had, like, I really just felt relief. I was like, can I actually like live that way? Like, could I actually build a career using that as a skill? Like, could I actually find success in that way? Because I think that my obsession has always been around people and like how they work and how they could work better and asking questions and to kind of see that articulated so clearly as like a gift and a thing to do. I was just like, what? That's so loud. So I think I felt a lot of relief. And I think that continually, I think that like, it really has reshaped how I've done everything in my life, like how I partnered and engaged with my family and built my business. And it's felt really good to do it in a way that just feels like it works for me. Mm. Let's talk about a little more what it looks like finding success and really leveraging your human design type. Because I think A lot of people during this time are in some kind of transition, whether they're changing careers, we have like a big workplace shift or relationships or moving or anything like that. How can we make the best decisions for us? And what are some examples? Yeah. Well, also, should I go through the other two types? 
which I didn't do yet. Oh, we only went through three. Oh, I got I got so so into my own, <laughs> but I was like, that's, that's it. Tough. That's all there is. Wait, what okay. are the other two? Then I feel like I'm missing some. Am Manifestors I? and reflectors. Oh, reflectors. I always forget about them. Sorry if you're a reflector. <laughs> they're okay. so precious, but they're very rare. Okay. So we'll go through those and then I would love to answer that question. So manifestors are really here to be the initiators, the innovators, the ones that are really here to kind of get things started, get the ball rolling. Not always here to do all the doing themselves, but often like just here to kind of get things off the ground. They often really need a sense of like freedom and autonomy and control. They very much thrive when they like, they set the terms of how they do things and when, like they really just aren't here to be told what to do or guided. And they're often very like, they just see the future. They see where things are going before anyone else does. And so to kind of be in a position where that innovative nature, that initiating nature is really honored. Their energy is going to really ebb and flow. So they will likely have creative bursts where they can make a lot happen, whether it's over a course of a day or a week, and then really need to kind of pull back and be alone and take rest. And so not trying to kind of consistently keep up. And the strategy for manifestors is about initiating and informing. So it basically means when they have the urge to create something, they're actually here to just go make it happen. Like to just kind of like trust that and follow it. And the second part of their strategy is just making sure that when they do that, they really like let people know around them what they're doing and just keeping them in the loop. If they're just like go off and do things without letting anyone know, people can be quite resistant. But if they just keep people in the loop, they can often like feel like other people are on their team in a deeper way. And then we've got reflectors. Reflectors are the rarest type, 1% of the population, which is maybe why you don't hear about them as much. And these people are really our collective mirrors. They're incredibly sensitive to their physical environment. And so are you, you know, this is just like the hallmark of being a reflector and so much so that they kind of take in and magnify the energy of where they're around. And so it is so important for them to be such ruthless curators of the people they're spending time with and the spaces they're spending time in, their city, their office, their home, all of it. The magic of reflectors is in their fluidity. So they will have periods where they feel like a projector, like a generator, like a manifesting generator. And their job is never to be just one thing or show up in just one way, but honor whatever feels like them that day. And so I always say the most useful question to ask yourself as a reflector is not who am I, but what feels like me right now. And finally, you know, in the context of business, we call reflectors evaluators because they just see and sense things that so many people don't. And so to be in environments where that perspective feels so treasured and invited in, some other projectors is so important. Mm, I love that. I think reflectors are very special and I, I feel bad <laughs> for not knowing about them as deeply. You said 1%. Yeah. And then I think projectors are 17%. Around like 17 to 20. Manifestors about 8 to 9. And then manifesting generators and generators collectively make up about 70%, about 30 to 35 each. And I just want to kind of like say, you know, just because they're 70% it in no way means they're not unique. Like type is just the first piece. There's so much underneath it, but it's because that's like the creative energy to make things happen. And obviously that's such an essential part of our world. Yeah. To those listening, if you go to erinclairjones.com slash lookup, we'll link it in the show notes, but you will see when your chart pops up, it is so intricate and there are so many levels to it, which is why it's so important if you're interested in this to work with somebody personally, because they'll be able to dive into all of those. Can you give us a sneak peek into like what the next level of human design is? Yeah. And it actually relates to your question around like success and like the world that we're in right now. Probably the next most important piece of our design is something called our inner authority. And that speaks to how we best make decisions. 
And so whether it's a job or entering a romantic relationship, it really speaks to like, what is that knowing within you? Like, do you need to sleep on things? Or can you decide in the moment through your gut? Do you need to talk things out? Is it about like processing in the right space? So it really helps us know what is our process for kind of reaching our own truth. That's a really important piece. There's also something called the profile, which speaks to how we're designed to best manifest our purpose. And that can be so tactical in terms of helping us know how to approach work and business and relationships and all the things. And then two other pieces that I would say are so important, but maybe not the first, is something called our channels. And those are just like our innate strengths, the things that are always present within us. And then something called our open centers. And these are the areas where we are the most sensitive to other people's energy, where we can get the most taken off track and where we have the most to learn. And so understanding those can be confronting, but also so useful in kind of helping you stay aligned. If you have my chart or yours somewhere handy, can you give us examples of those and and what that looks like? Yes. I'm going to do yours because that's way more fun. So your inner authority is emotional and I actually share the same one as you. And so it basically means that when it comes to making decisions, you might have an initial instinct about something, but you're not really meant to be spontaneous or impulsive. Clarity for you comes with time. And I know that I was not listening or honoring that at all when I discovered human design. But it means when it comes to making decisions, it's good for you to like take a beat, take a day or two or three and like really sleep on it before you commit. Because according to your design, like it's very, there's an emotional depth to you where it's very natural to have like emotional highs and lows and like not always know why. And the most important thing is to not make a decision on the high or the low. Because when you're on a high, you might say yes to all the things. When you're on a low, you might say yes to too little. So just giving yourself a beat and kind of making a decision from more of a place of neutrality and calm and not emotional intensity. And I would just say your mantra is so much around not just loving a decision in the moment, but loving it over time. Do you feel like you do that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I practice it as well, but I know that when I do, it pays off. I think the first thing that pops into my mind is how I choose retreat locations, because that's one of those that can really be spontaneous or it could be dragged out over months and months and months. And more recently, I'm trying to find that place where it feels good or like, how do I scout? How do I decide? How do I, you know, because it's the whole world is available. And Yeah, it's one of those things. And you were also talking about channels and profile. Yeah. And open center. So yes. And I think that one other piece I'll just add quickly around authority is that even though you need time, there are some people that can be so spontaneous and so impulsive. So you can start to see how in relationship that would be really useful, you know, for your like, I need time, whereas your partner might like be much more in the moment. And so not making each other wrong for being different, but just like learning how to honor that. So the profile, so you are a two, four profile. And when we have a profile, it's basically made up of kind of two separate things. And we, it's all about finding balance between the two. So basically, because you have a two in your profile, it means that you're a very natural hermit, not exclusively, but like having time alone to just be in your own space and flow is so nourishing for you and likely brings you so much harmony. And for you, there's just this innate genius to your design that you might not always know how you do what you do, you just do it. Like you really just like bring this ability to do things differently and probably in a way that you can't always explain. And the four in your profile is so much around your community and the need for just like a strong foundation of relationship in your life. And so many of your opportunities are very much meant to come from your friends and the people that you know. It's even healthy to be friends with the people that you work with, to have like a strong foundation of friendship with your boyfriend. You know, it's just like friendship is so key for you. And so you have this like hermit nature and this need for community. And it's all about finding balance. It's not spending so much time alone that people can't find you and invite you into things, but also not spending so much time with people that you get totally fatigued. So really just keeping an eye on kind of when to pull back and when to kind of go out and be with the people. 
Mm, that really resonates. I didn't know I was a hermit when you say that. What are some other like options for, for that particular profile? So there's basically 12 different numbers. And so this is just two is just the hermit is just one of them. And so it's not like there's an opposite, you know, there's like the ones are the investigators, the twos are like the hermit innate geniuses, the threes are like the experimenter innovators, the four kind of the influential community people, the five are the practical problem solvers, and the sixes are kind of like the role model teachers. I love how each of them has like an archetype. Yeah. Like you can really see yourself in one. Well, I think the piece that resonates the most is, and this goes into the bigger picture too, of like how there's the hermit and the community, which kind of seem contradictory. I know they're not. Totally. No, but they are. You just got to find balance though. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels the same way of like being a projector too, because sometimes I'm like, I don't even know who I am, but it's really because I'm both. Mm-hmm. You're all of it. And there's another part of your design that will definitely speak to that specific to like your identity. But I think that like, I actually love that in human design that sometimes it can introduce these like seemingly contradictory parts of our design. And it's not that like they're wrong. It's just that we need to find balance. Do you identify with the hermit piece or do you think you don't need that time alone? I feel like I caught myself saying to a girlfriend that as I get older, I find myself more introverted and maybe not even introverted as much as appreciative of time alone. But I think I I identified as more of an extrovert most of my life because I definitely feel very energized when I'm with friends or, or doing something or, or talking to people. Like I get sad if I go to a cafe and I, you know, the barista doesn't want to talk. <laughs> and my boyfriend makes fun of me because when things are quiet, I'm always like, babe, what are you thinking about? And he's like, it could just be quiet. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'm just like interested. Um, <laughs> so there's that aspect. But definitely as I get older, I think I can lean into that a little bit more and not be so afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Yeah, I have the same thing in my design. And I think there have been ebbs and flows of when I've given myself permission to step into that and when I haven't. And you're right, like you're so sensitive that like being around people probably feels amazing. You know, it's just like also having the time to kind of pull back and just be like, let me just be in my own flow and see what emerges from that space too. Okay, so let's talk about, it's so funny. I just realized we also have the same incarnation cross. We've got a lot of similarities. So I want to talk about your open centers briefly. I want to talk about all them. But again, these are going to be these kind of weird white looking shapes in your design. And they are the areas, like I said, where you're the most sensitive to other people's energy and where you can get the most taken off track, but also where you have the most to learn. So a big area for you is your open identity center. And it basically means that you're not somebody who's here to have like a very fixed sense of identity. You're actually here to have like a very fluid sense of self. It means that you will likely feel different around different people at different times in your life and different spaces. And your job, similar to reflectors, is never to like figure out the one thing that you are, but more like honor whatever feels like authentic to you in that moment. You know, especially when it comes to like finding your purpose or your life, like you're just not here to find the one purpose. Like you're here to like lean into what feels like you and like allow yourself to keep like changing and evolving and transforming. And I think the piece additional to that is that you're somebody who's incredibly sensitive to your physical space. And so what aligns you with the right direction is around being in the right physical space, the right city, the right home, the right retreat place, all of it. Like you're just, you've taken so much of the space and I would just never treat that as secondary. And I would also make sure your boyfriend like allows you to be really high maintenance about space because being in the right space impacts everything for you. Mm, That's so interesting because he's the one who taught me how to be high maintenance about space. Like he's really big into like decor and like light and 
paint, like all the home renos, we're doing everything as we speak. So again, it's things that I'm like learning to lean into more as I get older. Cause I think that's part of being in your early twenties too. You don't really know what you are when you're living with your parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And the open identity center really, really, really resonates for sure. Are there people based on human design that do have like one life's purpose or like feel really, really solid in that? Because I know it's rare, but my aunt, for example, she's known she's wanted to be a dentist since she was six years old because she fell off the monkey bars and hurt her teeth. And now she's a dentist. And like, there's certain people that come to mind that I can think of. And sometimes... I think a lot of people get envious of those types of people because sometimes the hardest decision to make is like, just what should I do or be or... Totally. Yeah. I think for so many of us, our purpose is like, so it's less about like what we do, but just like how we're expressing. And there are so many different shapes it can take. There are some people that have a bit more of a like fixed sense of identity where they're like, this is who I am. This is like my direction, you know? And again, it can keep shifting and evolving, but like for you, I think what's different here is that, again, you're magnifying the spaces that you're in. And so it can morph and shift so much. And that's why it's just so important for you to like really plant yourself in places that feel good because it pulls out kind of the most aligned parts of you. But I also think that's an important thing for you to be aware of because like you might, where this could show up in a shadowy way is if you're like, I found the one thing and I'm sticking with it because it's giving me certainty. And then at some point in your life, like you're gonna be like, this is uncomfortable. Like a new part of me wants to emerge. And so just approaching it from a place of like, let's just like see whatever comes up and like create space for that. Mm, that. Whereas some people, yeah, with a fixed identity might be a little bit less like needing that all the time. Mm, I see. I see. That makes total sense. And the other thing I wanted to say about the sensitive to physical space, I just reached out to an interior designer this morning to do my office. (laughs) So good. It makes such a difference, you know? I wouldn't ever like treat that again. It's just like, I would never treat it as unimportant. It's like it really, and even if you like go to a hotel, like bring things that you love, like to make the space itself feels, feel good. One other big lesson for you, I won't share all your open centers, but one of your other ones is around just like, this is true for all projectors, is a potential to kind of be quite overzealous and do too much and just like feel the need to just like push past your exhaustion and really kind of get things done and always be doing. And so much of your lesson is knowing like, when to slow down, when to kind of pull back and know that like your energy ebbs and flows, like you're much better suited to be a leader and a guide than you are a doer. And so you're not here to like overwork and kind of push yourself beyond your boundaries. Mm, I love that. I, I really, really, really like that because that's one thing that I've just been practicing so intentionally, but it's so hard not to feel guilty about that. So if somebody's just finding out new things about themselves and they're like having aha moments and wanting to lean into them, but there's a part of them that's either been conditioned by society or it feels very contradictory to what they've been told growing up their whole lives, or they feel very stuck in their situation, whether it's work and just trying to make ends meet and survive and feed kids and everything related to life. Like, what are some like little, little practical ways that people can apply human design, even if they can't make like a huge shift? Yeah. I think the smallest shifts lead to the bigger ones, you know? And so like, for example, say you're a generator or a manifesting generator and you're like in a job that really you don't enjoy, but you can't leave it tomorrow because like you have so many responsibilities and people to take care of. So it's like the work is not to just like jump off the cliff tomorrow, but more like start to prioritize your joy in the smaller ways. Like if you have like a weekend afternoon, it's like, I can like do something for myself and see that as like not selfish, you know, or if like somebody invites you to do a thing and you're like, that doesn't actually energize me. Like it's okay to say no. 
you know? So just like in the smallest ways, really kind of rewiring your brain to believe that like when you're saying yes, because you're excited, it benefits not only you, but everyone around you. And when you're saying yes, because you just think you should, it actually benefits no one. And so like prioritizing your own joy is not selfish. It's actually like what allows you to have the most energy and the like positive impact in the world. Mm. And your Instagram is such a great reminder of all of that too. Yeah. And I think for projectors, like, you know, I'm talking about like needing to like honor the ebbs and flows of your energy, but like you might be a parent and like, and working and like, there's just like not much space. And so I just think like any moment you can take for yourself, whether it's like two minutes in the bathroom or like a quick walk outside can make a difference, you know? And I think you're so right that for projectors specifically, it's like, there can be real fear of laziness of like not doing enough. But I think my biggest lesson has been like, the more I rest, like the better and more creative and impactful I am. It's always worth it. And projectors are really here to show us like a very new way of success. And I know like in my own personal journey, I used to feel like even rest had to be productive. Like I was like, I've got to study a thing and learn a new thing. And I think like just really giving myself space to do nothing has made a big difference. So even if it's like five minutes a day, it can make such a tremendous difference. Mm, Amen to that. Does human design have like aspects of compatibility? Like you know how in astrology, they'll be like, you're best compatible with this. Like, is there anything like that? I'm so resistant to like, I think sharing and like projectors can only be with this type because I just think it really is so limiting. But I think human design is so useful in partnerships. So in business, there are like some combinations that can be like particularly potent. But I think romantically, like, I believe any combination is possible as long as your differences are honored. I think that we get incredibly tripped up in partnership when we expect someone to be more like us or just like different than what they are. But I think like human design just gives us a language to understand how different we are and then gives us tools to kind of step into it. I did a partnership session earlier today with a projector and a manifester, you know, and like it was just so revealing to be like, what we need is so different, you know, like one needed freedom, one needed to like feel really seen. And so it was just so cool to kind of give them language and tools to really support each other. And I've seen both work so beautifully. Like I've seen people with very similar designs, like so thrive because there's such a foundation of understanding. I'm with a partner that's like different than me in every single way. And also is my business partner. And that's also really worked just because we're like, we just allow ourselves to be different in every possible way. So I think it's such a useful tool in partnership, but not one that should determine who we partner with but more about how we partner best with them once we've decided they are for us. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely rubs me the wrong way whenever I post about, I posted for his birthday for my boyfriend's birthday. And I mentioned that he was a cancer and I'm an Aquarius and all the comments were flooded with, Oh my God, I can't believe a cancer and Aquarius can work. And I'm like, how is that supposed to make me feel? (laughs) Totally. You know? And I think that like, it's just a good reminder of like how to work with these systems in general. Like, I think my belief is that human design is very much meant to be like a super empowering system and not one that limits you. Like, and I think that it doesn't mean that like projectors can't do this or can't be with this person. It's just like, it will just let us know how we do it best. And so I think any system that's telling you like, you can't do this because you're this is, I just think it's not a very useful approach, you know? And so I think like really letting that go if it doesn't feel good, because I just think that these systems can be used in ways that are actually so much more empowering and uplifting and kind of generative towards our future. Mm. You and your partner work together. Does that mean you use human design like on the daily or what does that look like? What is the full embodiment of that look like? Yeah. So he is not a human design person. You know, I think that he's much more practical and grounded than I am in all the ways. I think that he always, he supported me getting off my business, my business off the ground at the beginning. I think he's been an entrepreneur for a lot of his life and he's just so brilliant with operations and strategy and systems. And so I think that like over time as 
my business grew, it just like became like such a fun thing to do together. So I basically do everything related to human design and he does everything but that. And I really am so grateful for that. You know, I think that it's been really nice having just such a different perspective. And I think especially as a projector building a business, like I think I originally felt so pressure to like be good at all of it. And I think as projectors, it's like, where do you create the most value? Like hone in on that and like allow yourself to be supported on the rest when you can be. And so I think that like my job is really to be good at human design and feel supported in the rest. So that's taken time, still really allowing that in, but it's been really fun to kind of be in partnership with somebody so different than me. Mm, I love that. It's what you said a couple of minutes ago that it's not about, hold on, you said it way better. It's not about who you're meant to be with. It's about how you can best do it. Totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like you don't want like a app to be like, I will only date projectors, but it's like now that I really love this person or am attracted to them, I want to figure out how to work with them best. Mm, I love that. Yeah. That feels a lot more supportive for sure. So much more supportive. And even like, you know, I work with so many teams and skeptics and I think my approach is never like, this thing is true. You must believe it. But it's more like, it actually doesn't matter if it's true. Like, is it helpful? You know, and I think like over and over, they're like, yep, so helpful. Tell me everything. And I'm like, great, we'll keep going, you know, but I just think it allows for me to reach a, such a broader audience because there's so much less dogma and rigidity around it. And I think like it opens people up to actually receiving the information in a new way. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter if it's true. Is it helpful? Like, are you curious? Does anything resonate? I love that. I really, really love that. Yeah. Human design feels more expansive than some of the other things I've dabbled in. Obviously, there's a lot of people find comfort in the rigidity and that level of clarity. But I think for me, I like it better when there's more freedom and flow and you can take what what resonates and then leave the rest. Totally. And I can't tell you how often I've sat with people and they're like, I don't like this piece of my design. I'm like, cool, like, let it go. And then like four months later, they come back. They're like, oh my God, it makes all this. It's just like, we're available for these things at different times in our life. And I think human design is like, an awareness system. You asked about like how my partner and I use it. Like we're just always so aware of how it's showing up so that like when things arise, it's like, oh, I see what's going on here. You know? And like for me, because I know all the very shadowy elements of my design, when those things show up, I'm able to kind of move out of them so much more quickly. And so I think like it just plants these seeds, whether or not we kind of choose to actualize them immediately. Did you want to hear about some of your channels? Yes, I do. If you have time, I want to be respectful. Oh my God, I would love to share. Yes. So just to kind of remind people, channels are your innate strengths and they're not super actionable. It's more that when you're living your design, these things just naturally express in you. So it's not things that you can really force, but pay attention to. You have one of my favorite ones because I have it too. And it's it's called the Strength of the Freak to Genius, which is like the weirdest name. And it basically means that you just have these like knowings about things. And you might find that sometimes your insights are like light years ahead of people around you. And they can be like a little bit freaky and different and new. And why it's called the Freak to Genius is that if you share your insights with people before they're ready, people can like see them as like totally freaky and not really like hear them. But if you like really like know how to structure insights in a way that can make them obvious to other people. And you share them with people when they're actually inviting you in and ready to hear them, you're seen as like an absolute genius. And so it's just like knowing that you just know things and it's like kind of preserving your insights and sharing them with people that are actually ready to hear them. Mm, mm, mm. How does that feel to you? So juicy, writing it all down. Okay. And then another strength that you carry is around community. And it basically means that you really are here to integrate community into everything it is that you do. And you kind of bring so much heart and loyalty to just like your relationships. And 
what's so interesting with this one is that because you bring so much to all your relationships and community, it's so important for you to feel like you're really receiving in return. So in some places, this strength is called the strength of the bargain. It's like I can show up in all these different ways, but I also need to feel appreciated in return because that fuels my ability to give. And so to kind of be in a place where you're overgiving and not receiving is challenging and receiving could be like, I'm getting paid or I just feel super appreciated. Or I feel like super loved, you know, but I think just making sure there's a real reciprocity in your relationships, because again, that really kind of like unlocks this kind of powerful loyalty that you carry. Mm, that feels really good. A great reminder, I think for a lot of people too. I know. And the last one I would share is just around a general sensitivity to kind of other people and their needs and where they are. And so much of your lesson is really learning how to balance your own needs with the needs of the people around you. And there's such a need for courtship in your design to really feel into relationships and not jump into them to kind of make sure that you give yourself enough space and time to make sure you feel deeply recognized in friendships with your partner before you kind of like really commit and say yes to them. Mm, Yeah. If I think about it, all the relationships I've jumped into really fast have not lasted. Because you'll just like wake up like a week later, like I feel differently. And like, I think when you just give yourself time to feel into it, it's just like, there's such a kind of knowing and clarity that you can like enter into things with when you just give yourself time. Yeah, time is powerful. And I think that is my biggest lesson with the projector, even in the, do you call it a slogan? What is it called? Like wait for the invitation. Oh, strategy. The strategy. Even with that, the first word being wait. When I read that, I'm like, I hate waiting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's so worthwhile. It's so worthwhile. I know it can feel annoying. And again, that's why I just like always try to reframe the invitation as like a tool to protect your energy and make sure you're only sharing it with those that are ready. And same with like needing to sleep on things like we talked about for you. It's like, while it's annoying, because I'm like, I just want to decide right now, it's always worth it, even just giving myself a day, because I just like don't regret it. And there's such a depth of knowing that I like enter into things with. And I just like find that that's the most important piece. Mm, Thank you so much, Erin. This has been so lovely. And I'm sure so many people just dip their toes and are ready to go swimming in the entire ocean of human design. Where can people find you and work with you and soak up all your goodness? Yeah. So I'm Erin Claire Jones everywhere. My Instagram is Erin Claire Jones. My website is erinclairejones.com. One of the best places that I would say to start is I offer something called the blueprint, which is basically like a 55 plus page written guide to your design. And that's basically just like a book to your design. And it really is meant to make the information so empowering, so practical and so actionable. And it's meant to be a thing that you keep returning to. And I'm going to make you one. So you have it, but I'm curious. I usually offer a discount code. Do you think you, you want to do one of those for your audience? Yes. Yes. I would love that. Okay, great. So there'll be a discount code for that. And then I also offer private sessions, partnership sessions, team sessions, workshops, all that stuff on my website. Amazing. Thank you. We will link the link to the blueprint and the discount code in the show notes. So that'll be there for you. And we'll also put it on Instagram when we share this episode. Thank you so much, Erin. This has been beyond lovely. And thank you for making time, especially as you're in the jungle and my favorite jungle in Costa Rica. My pleasure. It was so lovely to connect with you. Likewise. Bye, everyone. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. 
review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscabofti.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.